Well, hey, every once in a while, I like to have a little confidence boost. It's nice to just get a, a boost in your confidence, especially if you've had a rough week or things have been going uh, difficult. And so this past week, I came up with a brilliant plan. I went to this website where you can design your own bumper sticker, and I designed my very own bumper sticker. Here's what I came up with. It says, honk if you think I'm attractive, smart, funny, and strong. So I designed the bumper sticker. I pay for overnight shipping. I get the bumper sticker, and then I put it on the back of the truck, and things are going good. No honking, um, but that's okay. I had a plan for that, too. What I did is I sat at the four-way intersection by Papa John's and CVS, and I waited for the light to turn green, and I just sat there. And it was great. Everybody behind me thought that I was smart, funny, attractive, and strong. So if you ever need to borrow my truck and, you know, get a little bit of a confidence boost, it's, it's there for you. Hey, this is the third week in our sermon series through the Gospel of Mark called Journey to Change. And our prayer for you over the next 13 weeks is that Jesus would change you. Today we're going to be talking about the power that the Bible has to change us and some of the things that get in the way of that change happening sometimes. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 23. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the Scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abathar was high priest, and he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was, not, was made to meet the needs of people, and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. You know, as we look at this text and we think about the power that the Bible has to change us, I want to consider one question. Uh, one question that we're going to keep referring back to over and over as we go throughout this sermon. What do you want the Bible to do in your life? What do you want the Bible to do in your life? Do you want the Bible to affirm your life or transform your life? See, are we convinced that our lives are exactly as they should be and, and nothing about us needs to change? If that's the case, we're going to look at the Bible only to affirm our positions and validate our current decision making. Or are we convinced that we don't have it all figured out and that God may have some work left to do in us? If that's the case, we are approaching the Bible prepared to be transformed. It's interesting to me that as we look at the two main characters in this story from the Gospel of Mark, these are the people who knew the Word of God better than anybody. On one hand, we have the Pharisees. They've spent their whole lives studying and enforcing the law, but in the process, they've missed the heart of God. And then on the other hand, you have Jesus, God in the flesh. Not only does He know the Word of God, He knows the heart of God. You see, Jesus knows that the heart of God isn't in enforcing the law, but affecting transformation. 
Jesus' goal in ministry was about seeing people transformed. Contrast that with the Pharisees. Their goal in ministry was seeing people conform. The tragedy is the Pharisees were so focused on enforcing holiness that they compromised their holiness. Yeah, you're exactly right, Tony. We see in this passage that the Pharisees were so focused on the holiness of others that they themselves became self-righteous and elevated the law above what it was intended to be. The Pharisees focused on every detail and rule of the law instead of seeing the good in God's people. In this particular situation, they judged what Jesus and his disciples were doing on the Sabbath, simply gathering food to eat. As we dive a little deeper, we see the Pharisees were in fact missing something even more important, the holy nature of the Sabbath day. The Sabbath was the first day of the week, and it was instituted in Exodus 20 in the Ten Commandments. We see in Exodus 20, verse 10, God telling his people to set aside one day a week, the Sabbath, to rest on that day. You know, I heard a sermon this week where the pastor asked a pretty awesome question in relation to the Sabbath and resting. The pastor said, how much better do you feel on Monday morning when you take Sunday off? While this question may hit home for some of us, some of you may be thinking, well, that isn't really a practical thing. I mean, on Sunday I have to mow my yard, maybe watch my kid play a couple of basketball games, catch up on some work, maybe go work in the barn. But sometimes I think what we're missing is our priorities. You see, the purpose of the Sabbath is to rest and to worship God. The Sabbath is set aside and proclaimed as holy by God. And we have the ability to honor it or misunderstand it. Jesus makes his response to the Pharisees by looking back at the Old Testament, starting in 1 Samuel verse 21, 1 through 6. David went to the town of Nob to see Ahimelech, the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he saw him. Why are you alone? he asked. Why is no one with you? The king has sent me on a private matter, David said. He told me not to tell anyone why I'm here. I have told my men where to meet me later. Now, what is there to eat? Give me five loaves of bread or anything else you have. We don't have any regular bread, the priest replied, but there is the holy bread, which you can have if your young men have not slept with any women recently. Don't worry, David replied. I have never allowed my men to be with women while we were on a campaign. And since they stay clean even on ordinary trips, how much more on this one? Since there was no food available, the priest gave him the holy bread, the bread of the presence that was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle. It had just been replaced that day with fresh bread. We see in this reference back to David and his men in 1 Samuel that Jesus uses the law to show the Pharisees what true holiness really looks like. The bread that we read about in 1 Samuel 21 was called the consecrated bread. This bread was set aside in the temple as an offering to God and was to constantly be in the presence of God. The consecrated bread was changed every Sabbath day, and the old leaves were eaten by the priests in a holy place. The bread was presented before God, yet it was wholly consumed by man. Thus the bread provided both a sacrifice to God and a communion for man. So is it unholy to eat the consecrated bread? Is it unholy to pick heads of grain on the Sabbath? In both instances, Jesus says, no, it's not unholy. And what we find as we look at this passage 
is that this discussion is about a lot more than getting a little bit of food. Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. And Jesus looked at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. This thing that Jesus does should absolutely amaze us. Jesus brings out our sin in the open and proclaims that it has no bearing on us. Jesus takes this man and doesn't hide what's going on. He brings it out front and center. He uses this opportunity to proclaim the glory of God and to restore this man's physical and spiritual health. So maybe the question God is asking us today is this. Do you want to be healed? Will you let me heal you? Do you want to be healed? Will you let me heal you? The only thing you have to do for that to take place is to bring it out into the open. So there's this man named John Corcoran. He's been in the news recently because as a boy, he made it through elementary school without the ability to read or write. He gets to middle school and you think, well, okay, certainly it's going to get sorted out there. Not the case. Corcoran makes it through middle school, eventually graduates from high school without the ability to read or write. All right, story ends there, certainly, right? Now, Corcoran gets into college on an athletic scholarship and keeps it going. He finds a way to cheat on tests, and, and he pays other people to write his papers, and he graduates college. From there, he gets hired at a local high school and spends 17 years teaching U.S. history. I want you to think about how exhausting that must be. Spending all your time trying to hide. Spending all your time trying to hide that secret, worrying that you're just one mistake or one faculty meeting away from being found out. And I don't know, maybe that's how you feel about reading your Bible. Maybe that's how you feel about reading your Bible today. You do it, but somehow, no matter how much you read, you just feel like you can't read. And instead of being honest about it, instead of bringing it out into the open, we just keep pretending. I want you to know that Jesus doesn't live there. He brings it all out into the open. And that's what He wants for us too. Yeah, I think Jesus is trying to show us that He wants to meet us right where we're at. and He wants to heal our brokenness. But you have to be willing to give up your baggage and be broken so He can heal you. And I get it, giving up your baggage isn't easy. But that's the beautiful part of bringing your openness to Jesus. See, that's the example we see with this man in Mark chapter 3. This man needs to be healed. And Jesus commands him to stand up in front of everyone and he heals him. Because Jesus wants this life's man, this man's life to be changed. And this man allows Jesus to heal him, to meet him where he's at, to be broken so he can experience the holiness of God. Here's the difference. Reading the Bible isn't going to convince you that your life's okay. Reading the Bible 
is going to change your life. So if you're approaching the Bible, looking for it to validate your lifestyle and it's somehow wrong, it's somehow sinful, you're not going to find the Bible telling you, yeah, that's okay, don't worry about it. What you are going to find the Bible saying is, we can change you. Just like it did for the man with the withered hand. Jesus didn't say, your withered hand is okay. He said, you're changed. Jesus met this man right where he was at in life. Broken, hurting, lost, probably angry. And he changed his life forever. You know, I love the way speaker Christine Kane explains this. She says, Jesus is in the transformational business. Jesus wants to transform our life from old to new. You see, Jesus doesn't want to put a band-aid on your problem. He doesn't want to patch it up. Jesus wants to change your life forever by becoming everything you need. His plan for your life rests in you giving Him the control of your life to change you and draw you closer to His heart. See, the Bible isn't going to say your sin's okay. It's just not going to say that. Instead, you'll hear Jesus inviting you to start a journey to change. You'll hear Jesus say, come, follow me. But that, as beautiful as it sounds, if we get right down to it, is one of the things that keep a lot of people from experiencing life change. You see, we want change. We're just scared of what change might look like. We want to have more faith. We just don't want to have enough faith so that other people think we're weird. We want to be more forgiving, just not to the point where we might look weak to someone else. We want to be more generous, but not generous enough that it's going to change our lifestyle. So what we do is say, okay, God, I'm yours. Change me. Just make sure that you change me within the boundaries that I've established. Jesus doesn't want that. He wants to transform you by the renewing of your mind top to bottom from the secrets you keep hidden to the sin that's evident in the lives of those around you. The best advice I can give you is this. Let Him transform you. Let Jesus transform you. Sit down with your Bible. Not because you're supposed to. Not so that you can say you did. Not with any expectations. Just sit down with your Bible. Open up to the Gospel of Mark. And meet a man named Jesus. The alternative is that we spend our lives like John Corson. Worried that someone might find out about us. Worried that someday somebody might find out that we've got all the Bible knowledge in the world. But no idea how it applies on Monday. When that's your life, like Corson, you have to keep people at bay. Or if somebody does get too close, you have to get defensive. Here's where that leads. At once, the Pharisees went away and met with their supporters, the supporters of Herod, to plot how to kill Jesus. Yeah, we see in verse 6 that the Pharisees have one goal in mind. They have one intention, and that's to destroy Jesus. Why did they want to kill Jesus? Well, we see that at the end of Mark 2 and here in Mark 3, because the hearts of the Pharisees were hardened by their self-righteous lifestyle, and they themselves were blinded from the truth because of their hard hearts. The Pharisees had every intention to get rid of Jesus, and they were set out to accomplish just that. So I, I saw a, an illustration this past week, and it, it reminded me of this part, uh, this part of our sermon. Uh, did you know that you can buy fake ATM receipts on the Internet? 
And the reason that you can buy fake ATM receipts on the internet is so that when you're out at a bar, you can write your phone number on the back of this fake receipt and hopefully impress the girl enough with that fake bank balance that she'll call you. And I just can't help but think, if that's where you're starting, you're headed for failure. If that's where you start, imagine where you'll end up. And when we look at the Pharisees and we look at where they start, that their idea is to destroy Jesus, it shouldn't surprise us where they end up. Yeah, we see the Pharisees took their intentions to destroy Jesus, and they did just that. I mean, the Pharisees, they mocked Jesus, they scolded, they beat, and they ultimately crucified the Savior of the world. And at that point, all hope seemed lost. Darkness seemed to prevail through everything the Pharisees set out to do. But we know that death had no hold on Jesus. We know that the grave couldn't keep him down. And hope was found in the midst of darkness. And because new life was found in the resurrection of Christ, we can take this journey to change forever. Here's the most beautiful part of this journey to change, friends. You don't have to end up like the Pharisees. You have a choice today and every day for the rest of the life God has given you. You see, the Word of God will change you or you will try to change the Word of God. We can choose to let God's Word shape and change us into the disciples that He created us to be or we can live like a Pharisee. We can call our own shots, make our own rules, choose to live life in a me-centered type of way. Here's where everything we've said comes to a point. We have a choice. And the only way to be healed is to be honest about your condition. So do you want the Word of God to change you? Or do you want it to justify your lifestyle? Do you want the Word of God to transform you into a committed follower of Jesus? Into a disciple? Or do you want the Word of God to affirm the decisions that you're making in your life right now. Our prayer today is that the Bible would begin to change you. And, and as we close, we want to tell you about a friend of ours who's been letting the Word of God transform him. Yeah, you know, six months ago, I met a young man at Wonder Valley Camp, and I could tell that this young man had potential. I could tell that this young man had a bright future if he gave his life to Christ. But I knew that there were things in this young man's life that were holding him back. Well, then Jesus showed up, as he always does, and this young man made a choice to take a journey to change. Victor Young is a freshman at West Washington High School, and he's been part of our Rooted Student Ministry since August of last year. Throughout the fall and into these winter months, I could sense a desire to change in Victor as he began searching for those answers. But still, Victor seemed to be on the fence. He still wasn't sure if he wanted to take that journey to change, to bring his brokenness out into the open and give his life to Christ. And then last weekend, Jesus had an encounter with Victor at TCTC with our student ministry, and it was there that Jesus changed Victor's life forever. Victor decided on Saturday of last weekend that he wanted to become follower of Jesus, that he wanted to take this journey of change no matter how hard it would be. And here is why Victor is taking this journey to change. Victor says, I want to be a new person and I want to be clean. 
I want to never do the things I used to do. I want to know the Lord deeply. And I want to show others how His love is powerful. And I want to follow Him for the rest of my life. We're so excited for Victor and his decision to be baptized into Christ. And as we continue in this journey to change, we pray that Jesus would meet you there as well.